0: From the world of AV programming and control with James King, I'm Steve Greenblatt and this is Ask the Programmer. Hey James, I'm glad we're back. Uh had a couple of episodes without you and missed you a bit, but uh, we're back in the saddle and uh, have a fun topic today.
1: Yeah, I, I was so jealous that you were on site at ISE that this one I had to be a remote site. I'm at work, but you know, I just had to do it. You guys did an amazing job at ISE and uh, I'm glad you got out there and uh, represented us.
0: Yeah, no, I'm sorry you were not and I hope that we can do this in the future. Um, for those who didn't listen back at Infocom, uh, James and I were out together on site and it was great not only to be in person, but to be able to see some of the, our listeners be able to interact, uh, with people, uh, on a face-to-face level and just hear how much our podcast has impacted, uh, our audience in the industry, and it's just it, frankly, we're, we're both um, uh, a little flattered by the feedback that we've been getting, and and it's really great. Uh, so please keep it coming. Um, what we wanted to talk about today uh, is something that I think is timely. We're, we're we're kind of on the tail end now of of uh, the pandemic, and and um, still a lot of manufacturers and clients are facing changes due to supply chain and, and not just the f- delays that supply chain causes, but maybe changes in strategy, changes in um, product lines, changes in the thought process about how we go to designing systems, selecting equipment, making choices, and um, and also programming, of course, comes into play there. And, and uh, we've talked a bit about um, standardization and talked a bit about trying to look at approved equipment. I know that's something that Hetma is into. So, um, James, you're more hands-on, more in the trenches with stuff like this. Um, what does the this recent shift and what what have we learned and 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 what and do we think that what we've learned is something that's going to be lasting about how to deal with products that may or may not be always available. So a couple of uh,
1: questions within that one question. Uh, Let's try to break it down. Do I think that we learned something from this? I wanna say yes, but I feared no. Um, I've heard many folks say, well, I'm just gonna sit and wait it out. And that is alarming to me because as I, I've actually had this conversation with many manufacturers. In fact, I had one, this conversation with one not too long ago, and they all kind of look at me funny when I say this, is I do not have brand loyalty. I have a loyalty to my students and my university. Yes, your if your product is meeting my those needs and my education is getting done for my students at my university, and you're a good partner, great. But when you're not a good partner and you are not meeting that need, I have no hesitation moving to someone else who will meet those needs. And like I said, every time I tell a manufacturer that, I get the cross eyes like uh, we don't like that answer. And as I look at it, I'm not here to make friends with manufacturers. I love our manufacturers. Don't get me wrong. I do love manufacturers. But again, my loyalty is to the students and the university. And that's just like a manufacturer is going to be loyal to their product or any business is going to be loyal, should be loyal to their uh, clients or their end users. So that's the way it should be. And it keeps them on their toes, I think. Uh, but it does throw up alarms when I hear people who are like, you know, I'm going to ride or die with this partner. And I feel that it could, you know, hurt things and hurt and it actually lead to downward trends when they do that. So that's a fear of mine. Like I said, I'm not like that, but I've heard through not just some higher ed, but also integrators and other people talk like, oh, we'll just wait out the storm. Um, see how that plays out for them. I hope it does. Um, but I think as a programmer, we can't have brand loyalty because we never know what's coming across our desk. It could be brand X, it could be brand Y, it could be brand Z. So we need to be able to work with any brand. We, we, we should be brand at And
0: And I, I think that there's a couple of different ways to look at that too. Um, You know, I, and I would agree with you because, you know, just like for me and, and my company, you know, I like to live by the adage that um, you know, success is rented and not owned and the rent is due every day. You, you have to earn it and you have to be, something you, you have to make sure that you're taking care of your client and you're there for them. Um, on, the, on the flip side, sometimes making changes in standards and, and having to work with a new product not only causes short-term, but could also cause long, long-term impact. I, I remember a conversation actually that I had on the state of control podcast with Scott Tyner, where he was saying that when you make a change, on a product, you have to live with that product for quite some time, and so you have to be very careful when you're going to make a change. and And you know, trying something new could have a lasting impact. Um, looking at it from a programming perspective, one of the arguments that we hear a lot about is that it's hard to learn a new language, or it's hard to learn a new platform, or I don't want to have to. Go back to square one where I know all the tips and tricks with this programming, and this. And now I have to start over to learn another type of programming. What What, what are your thoughts on that? Because I think, from our perspective, um, as programmers, and hopefully our listeners can feel the same way, um, that that could be kind of challenging. When well, well, I think it's good to be able to keep stay open to new products, um being having to learn things and not be able to apply them can can sometimes be very distracting for programmers.
1: Yeah. Um so I actually want to take two stabs of this. I want to take first a stab at what you were mentioning with with Scott Tyner And Scott Tyner is a brilliant guy, a good colleague. I, I think he very wise um but my thing is, as a programmer, I am looking at this as a programmer eyes, is the equipment under the hood shouldn't matter. If you can program it and designed it, that the experience is the same. And I, I'll go back to another uh, colleague, of ours, I'm sure you know of him, uh, Steve, is Bill O'Donnell. And he was saying, let's take an automobile for example the key connection is same spot in every vehicle or should be doesn't matter if it's a ford doesn't matter if it's a chevy it doesn't matter if it's toyota whoever they're all basically in the same location and when it's not in that location you, as a user you're you're trying to find that and that's a bad experience and he has talked about a experience he had with a rental car and he said it's not a good experience like he remembers it but not for a good reason um if we as programmers are doing our job and design designing our UI so that there's the same consistent feel to it it shouldn't matter that if under the hood it's a crushron, Xtron, Kramer Lightwear Amex ZY whatever the experience to our users should be the same. Now it may mean more work on us as programmers. And I go back to that whole notion I said a couple of times is if mountains were smooth, we wouldn't be able to climb them. We are going to face challenges. Um, I actually wrote uh, kind of a more personal article of the higher ed one recently of life is gonna try I even said, life is going to try to break you. Um, We need to overcome that battle with what we're facing. And we can't be like, oh, no, I can't go learn Python. I'm a C-sharp programmer. I can't learn Python. Even though Python might be the right answer for my users, then you're not doing a service to your users, I I feel. Um, You're limiting yourself and you're, I almost go back to the whole Cobalt programmers and people who were dead set on cobalt well, cobalt's a dead language now but that's the only thing you knew you have no job
0: so interesting interesting way of looking at it because you know it also brings up the idea of how how can you learn different languages or programming that is transferable so if you can learn to write because w- what i've heard and i know that it's not perfect but but what I've heard is that if you can write object oriented programming, that is translatable to different languages. And a lot of times that will help you to create consistency. However, I know that that's not the world that we live in all the time in control programming, but, but perhaps this is a reason for us to head in that direction.
1: Oh, I, I definitely agreed. Uh, having a saying language like that, I. I'll admit my data sample is very limited. So I will be speaking from my experience here, but I think my knowledge of programming, traditional IT platforms of like C-sharp, I I, teach myself Python and PHP, like having that kind of knowledge Allow me to really pick up a match uh, coding because that's why I used to do. Now I'm in a spot that we're a crash on. I have not done any crash on program yet, but I'm not going to sit here and go, "Well, I'm not going to learn it." I'm going to take take on that challenge. I'm going to learn what it need, uh, what it takes to program that equipment, and then I'm expanding my data set. And then it'd be like, "Well." maybe Cresheron's not the best, or maybe uh, Amex is not the best, or maybe C-sharp's not the best, whatever, like, you you learn how to grow. And yeah, you're going to tend to lean on what you know, um, but like, what's that uh, saying is, when you speak, you can only speak what you know, but when you listen, you learn new things. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's kind of how, like, yeah, if you work only with one language because you know it, then you're not expanding your knowledge.
0: So I, I, and I'm one of the things that that I believe in that that you know I do in my company is we 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 really pride ourselves in being able to support multiple platforms because we have to be able to field what clients are asking for. And I mean, to your point, you need to keep your options open because you don't know what. Is going to be in demand, or where what clients are going to need from you? So, I mean that that's something that I I I can can agree with more. Um, I think the the question that might come up from others is um, what what are some things that we could do to help um, include considerations for programming in more standards and more um, ways of picking equipment that is going to be substitutable so if you can't get your your top choice mm-hmm. h- how do you look at what is how do you evaluate the others to know that they're going to be able to work um, obviously from an AV perspective they are looked at but oftentimes they're not looked at from a control or a programming perspective
1: yeah that's a good point um no one ever thinks about the the code and programming side because they as they look at it, just a few lines of code doesn't mean exactly. anything. Um, but I, I think having shows like this, like, and shows like State of Control and having people who speak up and saying we need, this is not right. We need to build a standard and make true interoperability is what we need. We need to develop that true interoperability saying, all right, we're going to grow as a industry and be able to use different platforms and different devices to achieve the same goal. Um, Again, we sit here and talk about AV as a, an art and a, um, a a user experience, but then we try to build everything into an ecosystem and lock our users into this ecosystem. If we're truly an art and truly about the user experience, I mean, artists are not confined by their canvas. They go out and explore. They might be watercolors or oils or metal and, and they they, inter- they can integrate all this stuff together, or even light and objects. And like I said, they they expand the horizon. They're not limited of what they can do. And if AB really wants to be that true art form, from hardware all the way all the way down to the programming, we need to break out of the box and be true interoperability.
0: Which I, I, I love that topic because that's something that came up quite a bit at ISE. And if you listen to our um, recent episodes where we talked, I had the opportunity to, to talk with the folks at QSIS. I think that that's a, uh, a something that's becoming more and more to the forefront. And it's really a great thing. And I, and I think that that that's been a significant change over the past few years where there's a, a change and a turn from it has to be the same brand A to Z for all the components versus going back to true integration, which is what I started and the way really why control systems existed. You take a bunch of equipment that don't work together natively and make them work. Now, nobody wants to go back to that, but I think that there needs to be some type of a blend where more products can work together natively, but they don't have to be the same brand. They could be substitutable, um, and and that's of course some type of communication standards. But then, how do we make them easy to work when they they are different? And for me, I turn to looking at having an API, but not only having that, having some type of a module or driver or plugin that allows. A, a programmer or an integrator to say, I know that this works with my platform of choice. Yep. And, and that's one way of, of accomplishing that. It's not the only way, but that's one way of doing that. And, and I think that we're finding more visibility being put on that. And that's maybe one of the, the, the positive outcomes of the supply chain uh, challenges that, that we've faced, at least from a programming standpoint. It, it's um. Th- there's more eyes on and on the the need to consider control.
1: Yeah, no, I I think you very valid there, and it's I do see the trend coming, and that's what, like I see with the Hepma approved program, is it's Hepma is not sitting there going, well, we're going to force that real, all approval for this product. We're looking at it as a more true interoperability that allowed education to happen with saying yes, these products have been vetted and that they should be work in a education environment. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I you know as we sign off, please uh, share how people can learn more about that because I, I really like that concept and I, and I think HIP is doing a really good thing to improve and raise the bar in the industry with that and and I think more considerations have to be made not to, to look at a product from all the, the different perspectives and and uh, in and manufacturers I think some of them need to be enlightened as to what they can do to be able to um, bring their product to market in a way that is uh that, that it can be competitive and be um, competitive Compatible and comparable to it, its uh, it, it its competitors, and, um, and of course, you want to have your competitive advantage, but you also want to be able to not be excluded from projects be- because you're you're not able to meet certain certain requirements.
1: No, I agree. And uh, Donovan Monday has done an amazing job with the PEPMA uh, Pro program, and. Actually, I'm saying this out loud now. Maybe one of these days we'll get Donovan on here and have him talk about it. Um, So Donovan, you're listening. Let's uh, try to get you on here.
0: (laughs) I like it. I like it. Well, it's probably a good place for us to wrap this one. Um, James, I know you have a lot going on and and a lot of um, cool things that are brewing for you. Uh, How can people get in touch with you and learn what you're up to?
1: Oh, thank you. See, the easiest way to get a hold of me is on Twitter, AV underscore James King. I'm on LinkedIn, getting a little more active there now. Um, I will be at Infocom this year. So if you're at Infocom, do, don't hesitate to grab me and talk to me. I, I love when our fans come up and look, um, say they like the show because I'm so amazed. I'm floored. Um, last two Infocoms, i We had people come up to us so i'm hoping to continue that trend so if you're at infocom definitely uh look me up
0: absolutely yeah keep an eye on james twitter he's got a lot of things that he's been sharing and announcing so uh if you want to know what those are uh, check him out and make sure you send him a message and let him know that you're listening Uh, for me you can reach me at steve greenblatt on social media Um, I do some writing for my company blog at controlconcepts.net and do the state of control podcast on avnation.tv, as I mentioned, and um, contribute to several publications in the industry. So please check those out. But what's important to us is that you uh, listen to our show and let us know that you're out there and and, uh, help us to help make this uh, as valuable as possible for you. You could watch us on YouTube. You could subscribe on Apple and Google Podcasts, and you can uh, reach out to us. We're always looking to have a conversation. And as you've heard on recent episodes, we are looking to profile some of our listeners. So please uh, let us know if you're interested in that. And uh, always uh, reach out with your questions because that's what we're looking to do and why we're here. And this has been Ask the Programmer.